You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Thanks, Drew. Have you ever uh, felt um, like you're not... You feel like you should be disqualified for something. You know, I, I think of golfers, and it's a game of honesty, it's supposed to be, and where, where a golfer gets their integrity is when they penalize themselves when no one's around because they know the rules. They, they, know, the, they know that. And so when a golfer, when his other, and it, it's cost people lots of money to do that. We talked about this, I think, at dinner or somewhere. We, we've been talking so much. Doing the right thing at the right time for the right amount of time may cost you something, and it's the right thing to do. And so when you take that penalty stroke, that means you're one step back from where you just were, but you were honest. My, my thought for you right now, and me, uh, if, if you're my age or older, I think I really want, to listen, want you to listen. Um, how valuable do you hold your personal integrity? How much is it worth? How much does it take for you to cash in your personal integrity? You know, now you're looking at me like we're... I, I just want you to think about that because doing the right thing may cost you some time. And we're going to talk about what are, in my opinion, again, you don't have to believe anything I say. Check it out. Study. Learn. It may be, maybe the best I will do today is get you interested in, in this topic of maturing. But can you be bought What's your price? $20? It's amazing what people do for $20. We know of kids on the street have uh, killed people for tennis shoes. What about you and me? I, I hold my integrity high and a good name. It takes a lifetime to develop a good name. And yet you can lose it in five minutes. And so don't lie to yourself when, you've, when you see maybe, let's just put it like this, a shadow in your life, okay? Um, one of my uh, favorite speakers is Chuck Swindoll, and he talks about uh, the shadow, the shadow. Everybody has a shadow, and it's in that shadow that we think we only see it, what's in that shadow, God sees that. And so I, I want to strongly encourage you. I, like this morning I said, somebody maybe breathe. Just, just breathe. Here I want us to think, and it has really, it's connected but indirectly uh, to what I want to talk about, and that is be a person of integrity. And there may be a time when you say, hey, I touched the ball 
you know, when you're putting, have you ever done that? Oh, no, when you're driving. How many are golfers, by the way? I love golf. I, I mean, I do. And you get there, you put the ball down on the tee, right? Everything's fine. Ball falls off. That's fine. Pick it up, put it on. But this time, you come down here and you line up, and your driver hits the ball and knocks it off the tee. That's a stroke. That's what I'm talking about. Well, you say, and nobody saw it, you know. Nobody saw it. But will you say, hey, Drew, I'm hitting two. I should be hitting one, but I did. Well, Jack, I didn't see it. Well, I did. Be a person of integrity. And doing the right thing at the right time for the right amount of time may cost you. But one of the things you'll have, whatever that penalty comes from, is that you'll have your honor. You will have your honor. You'll be able to look at yourself. One time, and I don't mean this. It's just an example of how this played out in my life. I was, um, uh, as a chair of the ethics committee, there, I, I handle ethics things. And one day I, I broke a rule. And no one knew. No one knew. What it was was I, uh, uh, I raised some money for a young couple. He, he would just come in from Europe as he was being treated at, at the hospital. And she was, I, I asked her, why, why are you staying here? She was just staying there constantly. She had no money. And she had a little infant and a two-year-old next to the bed. It reminded me of my children. It remi- I know what it's like to be hungry, and you don't have an option. I don't have any rich family. I don't have a rich uncle. I don't have a sugar daddy. So I, I, I said, and I, I took it upon myself. I said, I'm going to make that problem go away. And within 15 minutes, uh, I put an email out and said, hey, if you'd like to give to this, and that was the rule I broke. I'm not allowed to raise money. What happened? $915 came in in about 20 minutes. People just coming in. Here I am, 6 o'clock at night, realizing, geez, nobody knows I did this. And I can make somebody's life a little bit better, but I'm wrong. Picked up the phone, said, hey, LaVon, she was the associate director. I need to come down and see you. True story. And I shared this at an, at an ethics conference, of all things. And, um, I, and I said, Yvonne, today I'm going to give you something, and you're going to have to punish me. She closed the door, and she almost began to cry. And I gave her the money, and I told her what to do. And she says, Jack, Jack. They had I. I went through an investigation and, you know, what was going on. And everything that I said, that's all it was. And I got written up. You know, what was my penalty? Uh, I got written up. My director, this is what he told me. He said, Jack, it is. I got to write you up. But it's only going to be in your file for six months because if anybody was trying to do the right thing, and you were trying to do the right thing here, but the rules in the VA, you can't do that. So, so he's like being in kindergarten. He says, I want you to write a letter <laughs> to all the employees. You're not, something like this, you're not allowed to do this 100 times. 
And I did. I had to write a letter to the, uh, to it, but it was written in the sense of a lesson learned, not telling on myself the details. He didn't want to shame me. He, he needed to have me do something in penance. It cost, I, I did the right thing. Years later, we're having a report, uh, 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 um, training for all executive leaders of which I was at. And in part of the training, the, the instructor said, keep in mind, the, the head shed is there, people like me are there. And they said, who in your organization is the most honest person that you know? And they pointed at me. Now, I'm not lifting myself up because I got to tell you, I don't feel worthy to be that example because I did something I should have known better, but I called myself on it. And so in their mind, my, actually the emotional capital in that organization between me and them went up. Made, I, I had a huge dividend being built up. And so I want to encourage you, doing the right thing at the right time for the right amount of time may cost you, but you'll have your honor. and You'll be able to look at yourself in the face. I've shared that story before uh, with, uh, with uh, chaplains especially. I just don't want us to get comfortable keeping secrets. I, I, I'm, I, my conscience, and, and I know this, I have an overdeveloped conscience. If, if there's a crime in Iowa, I probably had something to do with it. You know, that's the, I mean, that, that extreme, really weird, and I'm very aware of that. So, uh, but take that for what it is. I want to talk here about how mature believers, how mature followers of Christ handle undeserved hardship, okay? Undeserved hardship. You're doing everything right. You're keeping the car in your lane. If you find yourself up on the sidewalk, you realize it and you get back in the road. You know, but now we're talking about an undeserved hardship. Jack Clue's ideas, is it okay? Everything okay down there? <laughs> um, undeserved hardship. Now, I think I said this before, but I, I'm, a, I'm a veteran. By the way, if you're a veteran, raise your hand. I know there's two Air Force people here. Okay, I, I've, have I, what branch? Behind, you're two Air Force. Got that. Next. Navy. 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 What was your job? Wow. How many years? How, well, give me how much time did you put in? Boy, I under, I, you got a story to tell, sister, and I'd like to hear it. So I really do. You find me on Facebook or you find me on LinkedIn or you find me on, on my website. I want to hear your story. There's a story there. Let, ma'am? Uh, Navy. Navy. What's this with the women in Navy? <laughs> what, what was your job? Data processing. Data processing. And when did you serve? Okay, wow. What was your rank when you got out? Okay. You use your, all your VA benefits? Oh, talk to me. I want you to use them all. <laughs> Over here, military, anybody? Who wants to be in the military? Over here, any, any veterans? Over here? Okay, well, I, I, it blesses me when veterans are, uh, are in my audience. I love military movies, and 
In 2018, there was a movie called 12 Strong. Maybe you've seen it. And it tells the story of a special forces team deployed to Afghanistan after 9-11. And under the leadership of a new captain who has never been in combat. And he was leading his team who everyone but him had combat experience. You follow the scene. And their job was to go into Afghanistan secretly and take out an Afghan warlord who was leading the Taliban. It's a true account. There's this one scene, I want to read it because I don't want to get it wrong, where the American captain, Mitch Nelson, is in a, con- in, in a conversation after a battle or before a battle with General Rashid Dostum, a real general. It's the real guy, but it's an actor here, but it's a, he's pretending to be a real, a real character, are on a cave around a campfire, and the general is seen as, as scolding the captain, Mitch Nelson. He doesn't really respect him because he hasn't been proven in battle. And the reality, the captain shouldn't be scolded. He shouldn't be blamed because he hasn't been in battle. He just hasn't been, but he's ready. He's willing to take his turn. That's why she, that's, what, what's your name, ma'am? Beth. Beth. That's why, Beth, you, were, you, were, you took your turn. You were willing to stand the post. You said, I'll do it. I'll put my future on hold. I'll put my plans on hold. I want to take a crack at the Navy. And for reasons it didn't, it didn't work out. But I respect it that you took, your, you took your crack at it. You got into batter's box and swung. And so he's not to be penalized because he's never been in combat. But he's prepared his whole life to be. And they have this tension going on. And this is what the Afghan general says. To us, Afghani life is hard and filled with war and sadness. And our only hope is paradise. Now, I know a lot of people who've been there and and they would agree it's a, it's a rough country, a rugged terrain. And this is, this is his scold. And he, he's just speaking matter of fact. Anybody see this movie? Or am I the only one? Oh, oh you saw it? Okay, then I got to really stay to the script. I was going to start making stuff up. <laughs> you Americans are comfortable and see no reason for heaven. Interesting thought. And I'm going to take that rebuke. I'm going to set it right over here for a while because I don't know. I don't know how true it is, but it seems to ring okay. And I'm not America hater. I'm America uh, lover. But I need to hear a word every now and then. What about you? Are you willing to hear a word? Maybe a word of correction? And and so I want us to look at this. Are Are we thinking our goal in life as a Christian is that our life will be comfortable. We'll always get the problem resolved in 30 minutes, no commercials, and there will always be neat folds. And our sheets, when we put them on the bed, will have no wrinkles. You get the idea? We can get these ideas that if I really get close to God, then, then it'll never rain on my parade. And every day will be a holiday. And every meal will be like Thanksgiving. 
And that's just not, the, that's not reality. That, I don't read that in scripture. And so when I look at what this general said, I want to take a check. I want to put that on pause and say, Lord, is my goal in this life personal comfort above all else? We're going to look at that for a little bit. If you don't like it, toss it out the door, okay? So let's look at this. C.S. Lewis wrote in The Problem of Pain, and if you haven't read that book, read it. I've read it twice. Uh, The human spirit will not even begin to try to surrender self-will as long as all seems to be well with it. Let us not fool ourselves into thinking that this life is uh, this life worth more than what Jesus promises in his word? Don't let, your ha- don't let your happiness depend on something else that you may lose. I remember when, uh, we, were, uh, when we would go visit my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, they, they went to a huge church in Austin. And, and we would go to the Sunday school class. And Tina and I, we had children, and we were still older than most of all the other young couples in the room. And you know what they were talking about? Houses. Houses and cars. Oh, would you pray for me that that our loan will go through? Yeah, we'll pray for you. Let's pray. Lord, help their loan to go through. You get the idea? This is a young married life. These are the experiences that they're dealing with. It's real. And I was, uh, uh, it had been to Turkey. I'd seen suffering and sorrow. And and I could never get comfortable, completely comfortable that I wanted the highest goal and the highest prayer request in my life to be, Lord, will you work things out so my pre-approval will be granted? You know. it, and I, it, looking at the question, are you, is your desire in life comfort over everything else? Where your treasure is, the Bible says, there, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I said, I kind of alluded to it this morning. If you put your uh, checkbook, nobody does a checkbook anymore. But if you did, I should be able to see what you value. You know, I should see what you value. And I, I could spend a weekend just talking about value structures and things like this. I could see that. And we can lie to ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you know, I love the Lord. I put it all in the altar. Uh, and, and I'm not here to get anything. We don't need anything. Uh, but when it comes to giving, what do we really think about that? What do you give your money to and why? What do you give your money to and why? And I, and I think we all need to answer that question. Tina and I, we've never had a lot of money. I've had a good life. The Lord's always met our needs, but I, I've never had a war chest. I was telling Drew as a kid, I only went on one vacation. We went camping for three days. My dad never made more than $30,000 at the end of his career. I'm not from a family of wealth. There's nobody in my family or Tina's family. Uh, in fact, in, in my family, I'm probably the biggest uh, breadwinner on both sides of the family. I, I really don't know, but I think so. Do we trust in that? Is that my goal? Is my ultimate goal when I pray at night? Lord, I want to be comfortable above all else. And I would imagine most people would say, Tony, absolutely not. Where's the evidence? 
Where's the evidence, boys and girls? I, I want you to kind of look at me right now as a football coach or a spiritual coach, and I want to put us through, put us through some drills here. Because this is where that kind of thought-provoking hard work can begin and can be worked out and can be worked into your spirit. Then when you go out into the marketplace, you can, you can apply that. So where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In Acts 26, I want verse 30. It was here this morning. Okay. The king rose and with him the governor and Bernice and those sitting with them They left the room, and while talking with one another, they said, This man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And so we need to understand the king king rose, and with him the governor, those sitting with him, and they had this conversation, and they come to the conclusion, He doesn't deserve this. And there's a long conversation about that. This man could have been set free. Have you experienced something you don't deserve? Of course you have. I don't know what it is, you know. But of course, I don't know anybody that at some point hasn't experienced something they deserve. What, so now what we're going to do, we're not going to talk about do things like this happen. Yes, that's the assumption I'm coming to the table with. But now as a believer... Surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Some of them are my children. I mean, I, you know, I don't get to go over and press a reset button and go back and be able to finish, redo uh, uh, my childhood. And my children saw me, when I went through some fire, handle it very poorly. Whining and complaining, you know. Oh, me, you know, I spent more time whining and complaining about it. And then when I go and pray, Lord, you know... Uh, uh, we put this before you and then spend another hour whining and complaining about it. Got me nowhere. Uh, and Now I'm telling on myself. I don't, I don't need you to tell on yourselves here, but will you? Will you open your heart and say, you know, Lord, maybe, maybe the reason why I hesitate to come to prayer and are more prone to whining and complaining because I'm really frustrated that I'm not more comfortable like I think I should be. I don't know. But here Paul's in jail and he hasn't done anything wrong. And he's been there for two years and even his captors think he should be freed. First Peter says, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief with all kinds of trials. I want you to begin to study uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ. And one of the things you're going to learn is they have suffered. There has been a price tag associated to following Christ. And a simple one I remember. I don't know why I remember it. I was at Lackland Air Force Base, and one of my personal spiritual goals, I, I was in law enforcement, and in that assignment I stood gates and, you know, check security. And I said, Lord, before, before I go on to my next assignment, I have a personal goal to witness the gospel to every single person in my flight. And that involved about 60 people. And every day I was, I'd carry my Bible and uh, next to my uh, weapon, I, I'd put a little New Testament there. And people, uh, people hated being assigned to the gate with me because it got around what was going to happen. I remember one guy said, 
He, and I, I know his name. I won't, I won't say it because in this social world, he might hear about it. He says, Jack. And he outranked me significantly. He said, I got a question for you. And I thought, well, praise the Lord. You know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, here's some success, some success. He says, is Jesus going to return? And I said, yes, yes. And I went on with scripture and gave him a little sermon. And I said, well, why do you ask? He got real quiet. True story. He says, well, I'm deciding if I should declare bankruptcy. And if Jesus is going to return in the next couple of years, I realize it won't hurt my credit rating. It was really, really backwards. He, he, he wasn't really understanding the full magnitude of what I was trying to do. But it, it was a personal goal, and, and I can say I did that. But I can remember being ostracized, being laughed at, and, and, and even when I'm sowing seed, okay, sowing seed, and people, there are some people stepping on that seed, some people sweep it out of their lives, some people laugh, I would be mocked at. When I, I, you, early when I started doing this, I would be the last person relieved of, uh, so that I could go eat lunch. Or, and, and at night, you eat lunch at like at three in the morning. And I would get there just before the dining hall. It's, and the dining hall that'll feed 500 people, I'm the only one there. And I remember at one time feeling so lonely and I felt so apart. I wasn't doing anything wrong. And no one wanted to be with me. And then I, then I, but I began to look at it from God's perspective. They don't want to be with me because they don't want to hear what I got to say. And I accepted the difficulty went with that, that, uh, that went along with that. Now that's an old story long time ago. I could, I could talk about other things, but that's just a story that it's a safe one to talk about. You know, it, 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 there's no blood, there's no pain, and uh, maybe you can relate to it. Notice what's happening in this passage with Paul. And this is the meat of what... No one is asking the question, Paul is not asking the question, God, why is this happening to me? We're not having a, a question, a, a discussion on theodicy. We're not saying, why are bad things happening to me in this world when I've done nothing good? I deserve a better deal than this. I want an explanation now. That's not happening. Paul's a mature believer. What is else not happening? Paul is not playing the victim card. He's not whining that he should get a better deal. He's not whining that someone else should be getting uh, punishment like this because he's not broken any law. Is that good English? He didn't break any laws. He's not playing the victim card. And, you know, I, I learned this from my son. We talk about, I think it's called um, virtue signaling. I, I watch American Idol. I, I love to watch the show and hear these kids sing. Um, and the way to get the attention of the judges is to have a sad story to tell. You know, I, I guess they look for the saddest story to tell and be, because they have hundreds of people that sing, but only one or two of them get this, oh, hey, this is what he was back like in Oklahoma or back in Iowa, Ames, Iowa. And they tell this sad story, virtue signal. You know, I rise above it and I'm a victor. Paul's not doing that. Paul was focused on his mission. Paul was focused on his assignment, and that was to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And so he just accepted the fact that sometimes 
things are going to happen to him, but he's not going to let those circumstances interfere in his life. He's going to keep clear focus about what he's here to do. And sometimes bad things happen to good people. Paul's not complaining about it. Paul isn't questioning God's goodness. Am I a fair-weather fan? Am I a fair-weather Christian? Am I? Am I? I have to ask myself that question, and that's not something you raise your hand and say, I am. I, I, I don't need you to do that. But one of the things come is uh, when difficult times come into our life, what comes out? What co- I remember one time uh, I, I was uh, teaching at a Christian school. I was a gym teacher, and one of my students uh, ended up in the hospital, and it was really a bad scene, and I went and here I'm coming, I'm tired, and I've got to go to school in the morning and got to go to back to work. I don't have any money. But I felt like I've really done something because today what it cost me was extra energy, little extra money. You know, it was back in the days where I had to watch the pennies so I could have enough gas in the car. And I'm not paying attention. Literally, I am one mile from the house, and I get pulled over and got a speeding ticket for $250. Thank you very much. I wasn't paying attention going through a residential area in a school area, and he really socked it to me. And I I started thinking, oh, that's not fair. You know, here, and I I remember, I handled that terribly. That's why I remember that I said, Lord, I I was out there doing your work, and is is this the right way to repay me? And, And I got it all wrong. What I learned from that, you know, is what I say, oh, Uh, That was really in me, whining and complaining. That's really a part of Jack Clue's story and character, and I wanted to be able to do better than that. And since then, you know, other things have happened, and I learned to take them in stride. I I learned to accept them. And and here's this. I've made peace. I don't even need to understand the why behind the what. I just understand sometimes bad things happen to good people. I was listening to a, a story of a, a true story of a man in Dallas who was um, a vagrant, and he was real happy. He was a Christian, and he was witnessing, and he was just joyful. And someone said to him, "Well," and he's he's preaching, you know, and he as as I remember it goes something like this: "Well." He was talking about God's goodness, and someone said, Drew, if God is so good, why doesn't he take care of you? Why doesn't he eliminate poverty from the world? True guy says, you know what? I have no idea, and it's bigger than me. He said, sir, I got to ask you a question. I don't know what God is going to do about poverty in the world, but what are you going to do about poverty in the world? That changed my life. What is Jack Clue going to do about poverty in the world? I increased my giving. And I, and, and I think it really closed that mouth. We, we want these problems resolved, but someone else has got to do it. Someone else has got to pay for it. Someone else has got to do the hard work. And that's why I'm saying we're going through a drill right now. We're in the gym, and we should be sweating. Here's the deal. When you're in the gym with a coach... There's two people. One is the athlete. The other is the coach. Question, who should do the most sweating? The athlete. 
Yeah. So if you find yourself sweating and this is hard, you're thinking like, I didn't want, I don't want to go through this. Hey, you're right where you need to be. You're being stretched. You're being pushed. Another one. When something awful happens to someone ardently pursuing the will of God, it should come to you as no surprise. So when you're watching somebody say, look at what they're doing. And we can be like Job's comforters. Well, what did they do wrong? You know, if you're in the army of God, you have an enemy but it hates you and, and uh, spiritual warfare can go on and all of a sudden you start having problems in other areas. Did you do wrong? No, that's what happens when you begin to have a move out and you push into the enemy's territory. There's a battle that takes place. So if you're observing that, don't say, oh boy, what's, what's going wrong? And as I say, maybe he's making a difference. Maybe he, maybe she's making a difference in the world and it's no surprise that they would be under attack. I, I think, yeah, I have two children that aren't serving the Lord and the only explanation I have for it, the devil hates the work of God. What is the work of God? You and I are the work of God. And if there's anything that the devil wants to do is to destroy and discourage you and me from pursuing that work. And so that's the, so I say, I'm gonna, I am not gonna disqualify myself from ministry and I could take you and tell you many stories about how I thought that and came to this conclusion. I understand that there's a great war going on and there are casualties and the devil wants to destroy the faith and the confidence. If he can't hurt me, maybe he wants to hurt my children through unbelief. Here's one. The operative question is not why me, but why not me? Who, and I kind of said this this morning, but who do we think we are when we think we can go and get involved in God's work and not get some bumps and bruises along the way? Who do, who do we think we are? Now, that's a tough one. And, and I don't mean to be so blunt, and, and I really care because I got to tell you, I'm talking about this stuff because I have been through it, and I understand that I am no better than the Apostle Paul. Get this. Jesus says, the servant is not above his master. And Jesus went through it. Was, did he, was he a failure because he was crucified? No, that was the plan that he might be resurrected and raise himself from the dead, sits on the right hand of God and prays and intercedes on behalf of you and me. He says, I don't pray that you come out, they, Lord, take them out of the world, but they not be overtaken by the evil one. Okay? So I need to understand that the operative question is why not me? You will experience the unplanned, the unwanted, the unexpected, or the undeserved. You might. And what I want you to do, if, if that's happening to you right now, what I want you to say to yourself is this, I'm in good company. I'm in good company. I'm not happy that that has to be the case. And there's many reasons why we experience difficulty. One is to uh, uh, transform us, to impact our, our uh, character, okay? But I don't need things, I don't need sunshine in my life every day to be faithful, I made a commitment a long time ago. I don't know exactly when, but I will serve him if nothing ever good happens to me again. There's an old song by Evie Tornquist, 
And she, she, and nobody even knows her name. She's my age. I love her music. And she talks about that. Lord, if nothing, if nothing good ever in my life happens again, my life has been good. Lord, if I never get another blessing again, my life has been good. Lord, if nothing in my life ever happens great again, my life has been good. And I see it that way myself. And then uh, finally... The kind of oppo- this kind of opposition should serve as conf- a confirming sign that one, the one under attack is actually proving to be a threat to the enemy. Proving to be a threat to the enemy. Peter says, live such, a good, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. And I kind of experienced that. <laughs> Uh, through that uh, thing with the director. One of the things about Compass is a ministry that I work at that inspires hope and change through guiding people and discovering how to live a balanced and focused life with a scriptural foundation. That's really important to me. Seeing people come to maturity is a big deal to me because I believe the gospel is important. And you can be a Christian, you can become a Christian uh, leader and be very young uh, in age. And so if that's an interest of you, you may want to get in touch with me. The prayer we need to pray in a time of difficulty is come Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? The prayer we need to pray in moments of despair is come Holy Spirit. The prayer we need to pray when it's dark and cold is come Holy Spirit. The prayer we need to pray when hope seems to be gone and the sun is not going to rise is come, Holy Spirit. The prayer we need to pray when you have no peace is come, Holy Spirit. My question, my, one thing I want to leave for you is if you have a, I have a prayer, I want to pray for anybody. If you would come forward, I want to pray a, how do you say that in English? A specific prayer over you, and I want to speak courage into your life. And you know what that's called? Encouragement. If Would you come down front with me? Just remain standing, and uh, let, us, uh, let me pray a prayer of encouragement for you. Go ahead and come forward. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how long you've been going through it. But I don't think poorly about anybody that's going through something. I call that the normal Christian experience. C.S. Lewis has it to us. Get the book, Problem of Pain, and read it. But Tony, could you play something quiet? That's fine. If you would close your eyes and bow your head. I'm going to pray for you. And then when I'm done, just seek God yourself. I'm sure you have deep concerns. I'm sure there are prayers in your life that still yet remain unanswered. I know that. You're in good company. Dear Lord, I pray for my friends here before me. Lord, I ask that you touch us and that you give us hope. Enable us to see the world in the same way that you see it. 
Jesus, as Elisha prayed, O Lord, open my servant's eyes so he may see. Heavenly Father, I ask that you open our eyes also so may we see what you see and we hear what you hear and we do what you would do. I pray for my friends that stand before me right now and I ask that they will see the horses and the chariots of fire of revival and righteousness that is possible through you. Father, give us strength when we are weak. Give us love when we feel forsaken. Fill us with courage when we are afraid. Provide us with, with, with wisdom so that we do not act foolishly. Comfort those who feel alone. Fill our hearts with hope and love when we feel rejected. And fill our hearts with peace when we are in turmoil. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would grant us endurance and grace that we might continue in our walk with you, that we would be found faithful. Father, let us begin to see the seed that you sowed into our lives is now being sowed into the lives of others because you transformed us. And we want this for our family and friends. Keep us from the evil one so that we can attend to those around us. You are the light that guides our lives. We need that. Father, we find inspiration in your word and peace in our hearts as we follow you. We, we praise you even in our suffering. For our suffering will not and cannot separate us from your presence or love. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.